And so where am I at now? I'm like living this dream life, honestly. That was maybe the number one thing. I basically just say no until something's good enough to say yes. And I'm so nervous that my heart is pounding and never quite made it to what I believed I was capable of from never playing to pro pickleball in 12 months. That was my thing. I want to become a top 10 player. That's one of my goals. How has pickleball changed your life? In this in-person interview, I sit down with Kyle Kazuda, also known as that pickleball guy who came in town for just 18 hours to sit down and have this conversation with me. From failing to unlock his full potential in basketball to now living his dream actively pursuing a professional pickleball career with aspirations of being top 10 in just two years, as well as being a leading pickleball education content creator. This is Building Pickleball. We finally made it. Uh, yeah, we finally made it. This is dope. This is like a cool space. So this is like really crazy. Um, I put up the Chris Olsen episode. Terrible episode. You did great. <laughs> put up the Chris Olsen episode. Then you commented on it, talking trash. I don't know if he's seen those comments, but I wrote some pretty mean things about Chris in the YouTube comments. I can remind him. Okay, remind him. Yeah, remind him. <laughs> Um, and then you reached out and then we just got talking and literally like a week later, cause I put that episode out nine days ago and it's been like a week later and you're here. Yeah. Well, you, you also shared the Instagram promo for it or, or a clip from it yeah. and I reshared it and I just, well, maybe it's a good time. I just really appreciate how your approach to what you're trying to do right now. I mean, pickleball, the space is open. There's a lot of people doing different content. And then I saw, I saw a little bit of your, saw your promo with Julian. And that was the first time I actually seen something of yours. And I was like, well, that promo was so sick. So I watched it like four or five more times. Cause I was just like, this is so captivating the way you filmed it. And then also the clips that you chose for it. And then you did this some somewhat for Chris. I remember I reshared it. Cause I was like, this guy's doing cool stuff. And then you DM me and you like begged me to be here. <laughs> and so I just, I came. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money on the table. Anyway, cut that out. Thank God I have that Viore sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Viore. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you saying that, dude. Um, definitely want to like elevate the experience. And I don't even know like what the baseline is, but I feel like in pickleball right now, it's it's pretty low. Yeah, anytime, anytime, in my opinion, there's a new anything and like there's a lot of people jumping in. I got like Shay Underwood was actually the first guy. Actually, now looking back, uh, Jordan Brionis was one of the first guys I ever saw doing content. Prime time pickleball. He actually lives 15 minutes from me. Oh, really? And so, interesting enough. But then I, I started, then I saw some of the Shea Underwood stuff. Um, and then I jumped into it and Shay reached out to me. There's other people that did it too. But then he, those were just the first people I had seen. And then I think me and, me and Shay did some content together. There wasn't a ton of people doing it for like six months. And then like look up six, eight, 10, 12 months. Like everybody's not everybody. There's a lot more people doing it. Yeah. There's a lot more people doing educational stuff. There's a lot more people trying to tell stories. And that's just the growth of any sport. And I, I think on the episode with Chris, you said something about wanting to just increase the 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 value or the um the, just the quality of the content you're making, which isn't hard. Like I film everything on it, which is hard in some way and isn't hard at the same time. I film everything on an iPhone. So like the quality is some level, it's like a video perspective is really low. But I mean, we're in this sick space right now. Anyway, I appreciated that about you and just trying to raise it a little bit um and so yeah this is neat yeah um yeah quality for sure like 
always had that, but you could also see it in pretty much all the leading content creators there are in this space have like embedded quality in different aspects of their life, even prior to pickleball. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, back to your comment about the trailer as a content creator, that was like the first thing we've like, when you came, you flew in last night, we like briefly talked about, uh, even like Mr. Beast. And should we tell the story of when I landed at the airport? <laughs> is that something that should be talked about? Cause I think it is, it, it, I think I'll tell it. I'm taking over the interview here. I landed, the, I think it landed at the, I freaking landed at the airport and I'm, I'm like, Hey man, like where should I meet you? He's like, He's like, he's, you, you asked me, where should you meet me? I'm like, well, I'm at arrivals right now, but I could go to departures. It might be quicker. Life hack. So I go up to departures and I walk outside. It's like 170 degrees outside. So I walk back inside. I sit down. I just did like a week of basketball camp prior. So I was very exhausted at the airport and I'm just sitting in there like, oh gosh. And then you don't text me when you get there. And then I like 10 minutes go by. You said you'd be there in five. I'm like, dude, are you here? And you're like, yeah, man, I've just been driving around three times. I'm like, what? Like, okay. So you, I walk outside, you're like meet me outside. So you meet me outside and you have your camera. But the funniest thing is you drove around three times and there wasn't one security guard to like push you along at the airport. You just went and see me and continued driving. You didn't make a phone call. So I, I, that was the moment that I realized this is a good guy. He really, he's really on top of it. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna let you spin this story and twist it in your favor, okay? I drove out there and I was like, this guy should be outside. And I was like in the departures and I was like, where is he? Like, he's not a hard guy to spot. He's just like, and probably wearing Selkirk. It's like, where is he? And I was wearing my Selkirk camo. So he actually didn't see me the first two times around. Yeah. Dude, can you cover up your legs? Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't. I'm literally, dude, I should have worn long pants. I didn't realize we were going, I didn't realize we were going, uh, these shorts are too short. Chubbies are too short. I also didn't realize we'd have like a class table. And, so. I, and I didn't realize we were going um, full body here. So just <laughs> chop me right here. Okay. This is your fault. Um, back to before you rudely interrupted me. Yeah, I'll do that most. Back most to <laughs> back to the point about the trailer. As a content creator, we live in like the attention comedy. We have to buy people's time. And too many people are putting out stuff that like in the first 30 seconds, you're like, what is the point of this? What value am I getting? So I was like, oh, if I'm going to buy someone's like hour, an hour of their day, there's only 24 hours out of the day. Mm -hmm. You're probably only awake for like 18 of them. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So I have to create the best, like most captivating, compelling piece of content in order to hook them in and let them know like, hey, this is the value that I'm providing. And this is why you should buy into the next like hour of your time. You did, you did a great job of that. I do think when you first start doing content, most people don't know that. Everyone thinks you if you make a video and you, you're very proud of that video and you put the time into that video, you'll, you'll think, well, everybody will watch it because I made it. And, the, and you, like you're saying, the truth is nobody will watch really anything. Yeah. Especially as you're scrolling through Instagram or, or, or anywhere, there's a lot of, there, it, you're just fighting for attention all the time. Um, and so I think it is just a good lesson for anybody who does content, like to go back and watch the Julian Arnold one that you did. I mean, it was so good. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing you'll do it for this one too, but you just, you're just picking out things that'll make me curious to want to go watch the entire video and you hit like six or seven. And it's just a very common pr practice in content. It's the same thing in any movie you saw growing up, you're in the movie theater and there's like seven trailers that go before the actual movie. And at the end of that, you have, you really, you get whatever it is, a 90 second trailer, two minute trailer. And at the end, the moment that thing ends, that trailer ends, everybody in the theater turns to the person they came with and they're like that was stupid or they turn and say we got to see that and if they say we got to see that you've won if they say that was stupid or that was confusing you've lost 
And no one's, you know, the quality of the decisions you make on what you put into that trailer will make somebody say those, those, you know, that was great or that's, that was stupid. And we're just like continually going for like, I got to watch that. And then in short form, people say it all the time, like you got, you have three to five seconds to hook somebody in the video. And that's kind of the same thing, just on a much smaller scale where you have like three seconds for someone to be like, nope, swipe or scroll yeah. or yep, I'm going to watch the whole 60 seconds. So it's tough. It's also fun too. Yeah. I learned that from UX design. It was like... I thought you were going to say you learned that from me. <laughs> so you learned that from UX design. I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, I learned it in UX because you encounter it all the time when you're on a website, right? Like as soon as you go into a website and you want to get past just like just past the homepage, they immediately ask you for your email and your password without providing any value. So I was just like a principle that I learned was like mm -hmm. provide value before asking for information. And you see that even, I hate even giving them credit, but pickleballtournaments.com. If you just want to go past anything beyond the homepage, you mm -hmm. have to log in, you have to have an account. I understand from the business perspective, you want to start harvesting that information, but um, yeah, provide value before asking for anything from the audience. I never go on pickleballtournaments.com. <laughs> I've hired, I've hired it out for someone else. I just pay a hundred dollars. Please sign me up for this tournament. I pay a hundred bucks to have somebody else sign me up because I, I refuse. I'm just kidding, but kind of. I hate going on that. Let's not even talk about that website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the first videos where you worked with Lily on it and it reached like 500k. You've also your account has also hit one million views. You have like seventy two thousand subs followers on Instagram. About like forty four thousand on inst forty four thousand on YouTube. You have a partnership. How do you measure success? As long as I have more YouTube subscribers and Instagram followers than Chris Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> Be the most successful guy. <laughs> I currently lead him in YouTube, Instagram, and uh, and uh, everything else except for one category that he would throw in my face. Um, it doesn't Playing. Matter. What's that? Playing. Playing. Oh gosh, no. But um. <laughs> <laughs> no it's a i mean you know people ask like that's a common question i think it's a really good question and um i read a lot i, I like to like read about business people uh and they'll almost always say the same thing like i want to build a million dollar business and then it got to a million and i realized when i got to a million that wasn't i didn't know oh it just feels this way you've heard athletes say they I, we want an, we want a championship and we and we uh, got to hold that trophy up and then the next day i was like is this all it is you know like that's a very common because it's like it's back to that, and I—I I just was listening to Simon today talk about this concept of the infinite game. I really want to read his book actually on it and go it more in depth. But of like winning is getting to like do the thing you want to do every single day. Like that's really what the success is. Now I would call minor successes like, like I really want my YouTube channel to hit 100,000 subscribers. I'm just a human being, and I, it's data, and it's cool to see it They're grow. Milestones though. Yeah, and it's in, a milestone, and it's not like because if you say like I want to hit 100,000, then 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 what is often the next thing? So yeah. I just. I love this from Mr. Beast, who's one of the most famous creators, biggest YouTube channel. He just, you watch his interviews and he goes, I want to make the best videos possible. It's like, well, what's your goal? He's like, I just want to make the best videos possible. Like, what's your, and then they ask him another question. I just want to make the best videos possible. He says like a hundred times, 14 actually to be exact in one of his videos because I just saw a Twitter thread on this. But I love that because to me, that's like my understanding of this infinite game concept. That's what it is, is right now I want to, I, I have goals. I want to become a top player. I want to hit I would love, it'd be cool when I hit 100,000 on YouTube. It'll be cool when I hit 100,000 on Instagram. Those are cool milestones. But I wanna, I wanna continue to be able to wake up from, and I'm talking like success in pickleball here, be able to wake up and continue like to have joy in the work 
every single day. And that's what's like super fun to me. And, and then like being able to just like impact a lot of people along the way, you know, and I've, I've got a chance to do that in basketball more in person right now. I'm doing it more online with the pickleball, but, um, if I can just do those things and be ahead of Chris and like so many other things, like that's where the success really comes from. The infinite game is. Yeah. I'm blanking on like all the quotes from that. Have you read it? Um, I've just watched a lot of Simon's interviews and yeah, let's listen to a lot of his stuff. But if anyone listen to the people listening to this, definitely would highly recommend checking that out. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, how can I apply this? I've seen it before, but it became like a habit of like, where else can I apply this in my life? And it definitely became a thing in this creative process. Yeah. It's just like people will be like, oh, well, did you see this person's video? Did you see like how they're doing? It's like, no, because the goal isn't to compete with them. The goal is actually just to compete with yourself and who you were like previously in the day before mm-hmm. and like yesterday. And it's all really just like, there is no winning or there is no competition when it's really just you looking at yourself. It's like, have I put out the best work and am I like constantly just improving? And you, if you're just doing like a better version of yourself, yeah, then you're ultimately always going to win because you're just improving on you rather than like measuring yourself up against someone else and someone that's next to you, which yeah. you actually never know. Like it would be, so unfair for me to compare myself to like someone like you because it's like how long have they been in it how long have they been doing it for that's why like comparison it really is this like illusion to a degree the just the last line on that comparison thing james clear has this great line on this and because the most one of the most common quotes i heard was like comparison is a thief of joy which has all the value in that line that you just shared um and i I do think about it like because i think that's so valuable and james has this line that's like comparison is is like the thief of joy when you're comparing big things which would be like if we just started to compare like youtube numbers or like uh amount of money we make or whatever i don't know what you make what i make but like all these bigger more things, than you you might want me to I, 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 Viore, I'm, baby shoot i'm gonna have a hard time sleeping tonight i shouldn't have said that one i'm comparing <laughs> bigger like all these bigger things in life like you have a bigger house than me all these like physical things that you don't know how they got there you don't know you know they rent it or they buy all these little yeah these, little, these bigger things that you just don't, like you're saying you don't know the story behind but it's 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 really good when you're comparing little things which would be like, I love the way that uh, you make your video in a certain way. I'm gonna see if I can use that concept. Or I love the way you approach your life. I personally love the way you approach interviews. Like just for people listening, part of the reason I even flew here and did this, like I was kind of on this part of the country, I was gonna fly back and we started talking. I was like, hey, I could fly here like in three days. Like this conversation started like four or five days ago. And the, the, the main reason I did it was because one, I'd seen your work and I thought this guy's work is really good and he cares about the craft. Two, I talked to Chris on the phone uh, about his interview with you and he was like yeah man the guy's like super cool genuine dude does a great work and then when we started talking you sent me this email and we had this phone call just a little prep for the interview and i was like oh wow this is like the most professional most people will dm me and they're like want to collab <laughs> you know or they dm me and I they're like that. hey like if you ever want to do anything together let me know and i'm like well what do you want to do and they're like well i don't know let me know what you think so they're coming to me asking me what i think we should do together and I'm, I'd know, like propose something and then we'll go back and forth if it has any value to it um, or if it's worth it. But like, you came at me and like shared these things and you shared with very, just very professional about the whole thing. And so it's part of the reason I've only done like two podcasts really. I did up to this point. I mean, I'll probably do more in the future, but I did like one with Chris and I've done this one with you and most of the other ones. I just, it's like a time thing for a lot. Of, and 
I, I just have a lot of other stuff going on. So I want to make sure I'm intentional about my time, but so that's why. So it's a celebration to you and like the way you approach it. Um, but the, to bring it back to the point, comparing little things, I love the way you approach this. And so if I go and do something in the future like this, I'm going to, I'm going to steal your, I like to steal the way you send the email, a little prep email. Let's get on a phone call. Let's talk for 10 minutes. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. That's stealing. That's comparing little things. And yeah. I think it gets lost a lot. We just say, don't compare it about anything. Like, no, I compare all the time. And of course we're all going to compare to people who have more than us. Just naturally we got to like fight against that. Um, but I do think we should be intentional about comparing little things as much as we can. Yeah. I'm like looking at your quads. I'm like, dude, sorry, man. They're like, I don't know. Or mine is big. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, Carl, who, uh, in Phoenix has been training me. Um, no, I appreciate that, man. Um, definitely try to put a lot of effort into this. And it's funny that you mentioned the comparing and borrowing. There's a friend that I have. Her name is Pamela. She's been in the podcast game for a very long time. She was like, had previously was a producer, is a producer previously worked with like James Altucher and she explained her process. We like grabbed coffee one day and she explained her process. The thing that stuck out to me most was this 15 minute screening call. She went over this. It's insane. They spend over six hours of like four to six hours of filming and they bring it down to 15 minutes. They just like, it's all about the story. But the screening call was the biggest thing that stood out to me. I was like, because I don't always get excited about every person that I reach out to. At this point, I don't because I've had people that I didn't, I think it does fall on me that I didn't get a good story out of talking with them. But there's also been points where some people just wanted to promote their product. Yeah. which I want to make it very clear that this channel, this video, my intent is never to promote a product. It can be a byproduct, but for anyone reaching out, this is not a tool to promote your product. Right. And if you go to that pickleball you can buy my <laughs> yeah. socks. That I, could just, I just released them. Oh, anyway, sorry. What you were saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's another thing that you brought up the, the, the DMS where people are like, Hey, you ever want to do anything? Let me know. Man, if I could give any piece of advice to people who want to de- de- to to people who want to collaborate, gosh, come with the idea first. Yeah, always. There's nothing enticing about you asking me if I want to do something and you don't have an idea. Like if if you message me on LinkedIn, if you message me on Instagram, if all you say is, "Hey, we should collab," I have no incentive to want to reach back out to you almost unless you have a very big following, but a lot of us don't. And I've, I've been in that position where I don't, I still don't have a big following, but there's well, people. How much, are so how much do you have on Instagram right now? It's like 1300. And how much do you have on YouTube? 1400. Okay. Yeah. So to me, even just talking to you, it didn't even cross. I didn't even look at, I don't see, I don't even, I honestly didn't even know. I knew it wasn't like, I knew it wasn't crazy big, but like, yeah. just, well, let's not go that far. It's, it's like really <laughs> small in fact, and it probably won't grow and you're gonna have a lot of trouble with that, but that's not, but, but like the point, the point is like, I just, I flew here, you know, and yeah. it's like, cause I just was like compelled by your work and in your approach in the conference. And I, I checked with it, checked in with somebody I trusted. And so I just, like, that's a good, you trust Chris sometimes <laughs> I checked in with Will after that. Cause Will pickleball will really keeps them in line, but, but, but it is true. And yet that's kind of like when you go out to eat with somebody or a group of people, gosh, we've all experienced this. There's like eight people in the group and you're like, where should we eat? And every single person's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't want care. whatever you want. I want whatever you, exactly, right? It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm easy, okay? But then we've also a lot of times been in the group where someone's like, all right, what do you want to eat? And they're like, let's get Chipotle. And then someone's like, nah, I don't want Chipotle tonight. I'm like, what do you want? Like, oh, how about like, uh, whatever, whatever, right? And then it's it's such a it's such a drastic difference in approach because now we get to respond to what one person 
wanted. And now we can have a conversation about it rather than starting from ground zero. And I, I hate that too. I'm just like, because it, because it comes across so much. You get like seven DMs of people wanting to do something. Let's do something. And you're like, what do you want to do? Like, let's jump on a call. Me, I've talked to friends about this. Like, I don't really jump. I almost never jump on calls because it, it I got to share my story and I like to talk. So then I'm like talking for 25 minutes. So I'm like, just, it's like, just email me or let's just DM for first and we'll do that. And then I, all of a sudden, somehow they came up with all their questions in two sentences. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I just saved 30 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of Jason Freed from Basecamp? Yeah, I, I've heard of the name. I know Basecamp, but I don't know too much about beyond that. Would, yeah, would highly recommend looking at him. He's okay. just like that guy where they've been doing remote working for a very long time okay. and they found a very efficient process. And they pretty much almost never have meetings. They never like, yeah. they very rarely take calls. And his approach is like, write it. If you can't articulate yourself yeah. in writing form, then we're probably not meant to work with each other. I believe in that 150%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like his thing is like they communicate all through writing. And he's, he thinks about like meetings. He's like, who do meetings serve? He's like, it really only like serves um, usually like one person or like a couple people. Like why are all these other people in there at the same time? It's usually a waste of time. It's taking away from their work. Yeah. He's a lot of really, really good points. Um, but yeah. It's not that I don't want to de like work with people, but it's very hard for me to get excited when you don't have an idea or something that you've worked on. And it's like, and then you're putting that work on one of us to be like, that's Hey, you've got to do that's, it. That's what it is. Yeah. You're putting the work on the other person. And ever yeah. since and someone taught me that years ago and I was working this other job, but I didn't was, know you years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, can we get like those symbols crashing or something? That was really good. Um, all right, lock back in. No, that's it's so good. You're putting the work on the other person, yeah. and I and I've sent that message. I've sent that message plenty of times too. Like in my life, I've been like, I, I didn't care enough to like spend the extra time to do it. So I just like, hey, do you want to work together? Um, but now being on the other side of it a lot, I'm like, ah, I don't want no, no thanks. Yeah. So yeah, Viore has a lot of great shirts and shorts to choose from. Actually, the first pair of shorts I ever got from them were the core shorts. And if you're looking for a pair of versatile shorts that are moisture wicking as well. These are it. I pretty much wear them for everything. Pickleball, running, working out, going out to dinner, lounging at home, and working from home. The reason I like these shorts so much is because they have a soft and breathable liner, they have quick dry and moisture wicking properties, and the fabric is stretchy and lightweight. They come in three different lengths, five inches, seven and a half, and nine. And they come in a ton of different colors as well. So if you haven't already, Head over to viori.com slash building pickleball to receive 20% off your first purchase as well as free shipping on orders of $75 or more and they give free returns as well. Enjoy the rest of the show. Wow, I guess like looking back, we have like more similarities than I thought, but looking at the pro part, you know, you were pretty heavy into basketball. You went to a D1 school. You spoke about where you played for two years at Louisiana Mer Louisiana Monroe mm -hmm. and then now you're playing pro pickleball you talk to me about what that's like like going from college d1 and then you transferred you can dive into that as well mm -hmm. and you probably didn't see this coming that you would be a professional pickleball professional athlete mm -hmm. and then also in pickleball yeah I gotta give you props man I don't know if the camera sees it you got all these notes and this is like <laughs> I don't think I've mentioned Louisiana Monroe yet. This is like, maybe I told you that earlier, but 
research, man. You do a good job. These are good questions. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, so yeah, my maybe just to back up for a second. Like I talked about that play and and entertainment side, but more than anything, like sports was my thing growing up. And I played I played basketball. I played tennis in middle school for like a little while. I played a lot of ping pong with my brother. I played a little soccer until I got to middle school. And then when I got to ninth grade, um, I played one year high school tennis. Um, wasn't really good. And then then I just started focusing on basketball. And like my dream from when I was probably in probably in really sixth grade is when it really started to develop was to go play division one basketball, specifically at Duke and coach K completely missed on me. <laughs> okay. It was a huge, I'm, I'm waiting for the moment where I could talk to him because it was a huge miss. I was ready. I was re- I was actually about to sign my scholarship papers to my, to Louisiana Monroe. And I was like, is coach K coming? <laughs> and he never showed up. It was weird. It didn't make any sense to me. But so my dream was to always go play college basketball, specifically division one at Duke. And I remember I was just so driven towards that thing. And I don't, I think I love, I loved watching Duke play. I loved just going out and shooting in the yard with my dad um, and my brother. And that was my goal from sixth grade to 12th grade. And my, my senior year, right before the season started, um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of interest from D2, D3. Then I had this opportunity to go play division one at Louisiana Monroe. And I took the opportunity to go. And so I signed the papers, I went there and this is like kind of middle of nowhere, Louisiana and played my first two years there. Um, and my first year I, I came off the bench for like 15 minutes a game or so, uh, we didn't have, a, did not have a great year, but as a three point shooter shot like 44% that year from three, that's kind of what I did a lot in my career. I was, I was a good shooter. And then my sophomore year, I had one of the hardest basketball years of my life. I just, you know, like slump could be a term you used, uh, got in my head could be a term you used. just was not, was a shell of myself the whole year. And there's, there's probably a number of reasons why, but that year went on and it was so tough just in context, right? Like talking about basketball, um, there's, there's harder things going on in the world. But for me as this, I guess, 20 year old kid, um, just struggling. Like I was, I, I went from, you know, my sophomore year, I was our sixth guy at the start of the season. And I kind of slowly moved to our seventh guy, then our eighth guy, then our ninth guy until I kind of fell off. And I was just like, I was the last guy and I wasn't playing a lot. And so I finished the year that year not playing very much which was emotionally just very difficult because like you go to practice and all you want to do is play well and all you're thinking about throughout the day is like can i play well am i going to make shots and my role that sophomore year was to be a three-point shooter and i shot i don't know it's like 25 percent, something really bad and i was just so tentative and nervous and like not playing anywhere up to the, the capability i knew i could so that year came to an end um and decided to transfer went to another school rollins college which is in orlando I then played two years there um, and lived in Orlando for a bit. My, my career ended, you know, playing there. And then after that, I didn't do basketball. I didn't even like play basketball for two years or something like that. I was just over it. You know, I, I had a tough career. I never, even when I transferred to the new school, I had a fresh start. I still was somewhat of a shell of myself looking back on it. I think there was just some stuff from my sophomore year that I just, even though it was a new environment, it was a much better environment, I think in, in some ways. Um, it, I fell back into these like grooves and ruts that I had my sophomore year that like anybody just like continue to have some confidence challenges, even though I was doing the work in my opinion, um, and never quite made it to what I believed I was capable of what my skill set you know, could have become as a player. So my career ended and I was just t- It was tough. I didn't really want to play basketball anymore. Um, I ended up taking a job at a hospital, which I really loved for a few years. And no, ba- I didn't go to watch basketball. I didn't watch it on TV. I didn't watch the NCAA tournament. Just nothing. I didn't play pickup. And about 
three years later, I started playing again a bit, loved it again. And then maybe five years later is when I started hearing about pickleball from one of my basketball friends. He was like, hey, man, I've been playing pickleball. Uh, you, should, you should go try it out. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll give it a shot. So I go give it a shot and just got obsessed with it. it just kind of like, it's not a unique story to me. Like I was a former athlete that picked up, and I had some racket sport. I played middle school tennis, I played a lot of ping pong. And me and my brother used to go at it in ping pong all the time. And so I, I pick up pickleball and I'm decent at it immediately. Decent, right? Not anything good. But like I know how to swing a, a paddle. Um, I can hit an overhead hard. And I just continue showing up to the courts four or five days a week for probably two or three months. Met more people, started getting into some better games. Um, ended up, Phoenix has a ton of backyard courts. Ended up like getting invited to some better, you know, better backyard games. And then some people are playing tournaments and they're like, you should play a tournament. And I was like, oh, I didn't play a tournament. And then I was like, man, like people are like playing is pro pickleball is a thing. And so I was like, all right, let me try like maybe play pro pickleball. So I reached out to this coach there, uh, his name is Cotaney. And I was like, hey, will you just like look at my game? I'd taken a lesson with him before. And I was like, maybe just tell me if you think I have what it takes. I had no idea and, and whatever. So I do a lesson with him. He's like, yeah, man, like you actually got some good skill. And I'd plan, been playing three months, five days a week. So I was like, all right, all right. So maybe I'll like stop playing pickup basketball and just try to play pro pickleball. So the the final time I like played really, I played a couple times since, but really final time I played basketball and pickup was there was this tournament that was going on in Phoenix, this little weekend tournament. My buddies and I had already signed up for it. I'm like, all right, on Monday, I'm going to stop playing basketball and I'm going to start training for pickleball. I remember like that was the day I shifted and started going to the courts more and started training. Um, and, and now I've been, you know, it picked up little by little, I started training a little more. And then I started this newsletter and the Instagram thing. And then over time I like started a YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. Now we're here. But like, what's the point of the whole story? What's the takeaway? And this is not unique to me. I think this is unique to a lot of former athletes. I got a chance to like go after a dream. It was playing college basketball. I achieved the dream in some way of making it to college. I played four years, um, but I didn't reach the level I thought I could career ends. I still didn't, I never reached the level. I just, it just ended at me not being at the level I thought I could be at. Go start working, love the work I was doing. It was different than basketball, which I really enjoyed. And then five years later, all of a sudden you come across this game that is almost like discovering something, like, almost like childlike discovery. It's like discovering something for the first time. And you're so excited about it and you start like playing it. And this is why part of the reason, actually I'll build this into why I think pickleball is spreading, is there's this like childlike discovery component of pickleball that you're doing these things that you've never done and it's so fun and like you want to go tell everybody about it which is i think like the first one is childlike discovery is why it's spreading the second one to me is like you progress so fast everybody no matter if you're a former tennis player or somebody else you you progress day after day i'm still progressing daily i'm two years almost two years in right which is the second i think the third reason is like then you want to share it with somebody like a kid they like mom look at me look at this is so fun everyone's talking about pickleball there's a reason right? They've discovered something, they're getting better at it. Now let's share it. And the fourth one, I think that really is like part of why pickleball spreads is the community. You just, you, you go to the courts, you're talking to me about it last night, you go to these courts and there's like 20, 30, 40 people there, you're hanging out. And so I think those four reasons are part of it. Like why it's, why it's not going to slow down is there's actually like this deeply psychological thing inside of this game that people are experiencing. And maybe more than anything, it's giving gave me, it's giving all these people a chance to get competitive again and to pursue something. And so you you probably have a similar story. I think most of us do. Former athlete doesn't reach the level they want to get to, stops competitive sports for years, finds almost like this rebirth or like this love of competition restored pickleball and starts pursuing something 
that's like hard. So I think, and I've read some different stuff on fulfillment. Like there's there's this guy Victor Frankel who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and and one of the I, and one of the things he talks about from a fulfillment standpoint is like there's a few things you need to have fulfillment in your life. It's you need to have a project that demands your attention. Okay, pursuing pro pickleball, trying to become a pro, from never playing to pro pickleball in 12 months. That was my thing. You need to. One of the things he said was like have an optimistic approach to your suffering, essentially. So like you have setbacks, you can you can see them as there's a great line. It's like you can see it happening. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. If you take that mindset, right, and you, it's 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 going to help you get to where you want. The setbacks are going to make you better. All those things. And then the third thing is just having a community of people to do it with. And so he shared that as like this form of people who don't have those things in their life often don't feel as much fulfillment. So I feel a lot of fulfillment in my life right now because I'm getting a chance to pursue. And that's what I meant earlier about like, this is the infinite game. I want to become a top 10 player. That's one of my goals, but it's not, it's not the end all because the infinite game to me is the fact that I get to have a project that demands my attention, pursuing this and making content. And I get to do it with people that I, that I love my, my friends in pickleball, some of my best friends, you know, my two really truly who I call my best friends, are guys who live in Phoenix and they've gotten to pickleball now. So we get to do it together. And so I think how did the basketball thing impact what I'm doing now? I think it's just, it's like the, it's like the re the rebirth story, if you will, of like the competitiveness that so many of us feel, even if we didn't play sports, it's like, that's a feeling for a lot of us. And if you didn't play sports, it's, I get to do this thing. I've never really been a sports person, but now I can be. Yeah. I never really was an athlete, but now I can be, I never got to play in a tournament, but now I can. And that's special for so many people. And it's why pickleball is so special. It's like there's very few sports like that, that people from all walks of life, all different ages. I mean, Eric Lang posted, a uh, pro player Eric Lang posted this picture the other day. Um, I think it was Eric. He, he posted a picture of his son about to partner up with like this 85-year-old man. Or maybe he just posted it on his Instagram as a, as a comment. And it's like, okay, his son's, I don't know his son is, maybe 10 or 12 or something. And this guy's like 85. And they're going to partner up for some 3-5 tournament or whatever. The, 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 what other sport is that possible? Yeah. And that they could go on the court and they could laugh together and they go on the court and, 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 and lose together and have setbacks together. And that 85 year old guy could teach that kid some lessons about adversity and teach him about like, you know, how to handle set all those things. Right. And that's what I think is so beautiful about the game for so many different people from so many different walks of life, much older generations who can now connect with us, connect with the younger generation. Yeah. It, it, ha- yeah, it's, yeah, the community aspect provides a lot of fulfillment. Low barrier to entry is great. As much flack as pickleball receives because people are like, oh, it's so easy. Oh, it's a, like a joke of a sport. It's like, okay, while all that might be true to a degree, like why can't you just see the optimistic things that are happening? Like it's getting people outside. It's getting people moving. Mm-hmm. It's giving people something to focus their time on. It's taking people away from the screens, taking them away from their phones, and it's forming new friendships. Like you and I know as, as adults that forming friendships, I mean, prior to pickleball, it's oh, like people you work with. Yeah. Like how often are you meeting people like randomly on a, on a weekday, you know, without ha- and like on weekends without having to go to a bar, without having to drink. So it's a great o- environment for people who don't, engage in those types of activities as well yeah the whole negativity thing about pickleball is not doesn't i mean what doesn't really matter to me it's like they think that because most of the time the people who say that are people who haven't played yet and who knows what's going on in their life to make them want to be so i, I get comments on my youtube all the time i get one every time i make a video almost every single video this isn't a real sport it's like it's kind of humorous it's whatever to me i don't put a yeah. lot of attention to it um 
it's kind of like, why is anybody negative about anything that they don't know about or really have any investment in? It's just, you know, that's just some part of the world. But um, I think that community thing too, you said is so powerful. Like the beautiful thing about pickleball is it's, it's you're 14 feet from each other, you know, half the time, you know, from kitchen to kitchen, you're standing next to each other and you like, you, something happens, you hit into the net, everybody right there laughs or gets frustrated within such a close proximity to each other, which is so powerful. Tennis, like just to, you know, just to talk to your, you can't hit and talk. You got to like get a, a freaking loudspeaker or like a microphone or like be on the phone while you're hitting just to talk to the person that's so far away. So it is beautiful. I mean, there's so many things to it that are making it spread. So like, will pickleball slow down? Truthfully, not soon. You know, of course, could like money stop coming in or whatever, whatever. Sure, maybe at some point. But like this, this, this deeply psychological thing that I just like somewhat share is like this childlike discovery and this progress you make and the shareability it has and um, the community it creates. Like that is a deeply human thing, which is going to help it spread. And the only thing stopping pickleball from spreading faster right now is just the quantity of courts. You know, the only, maybe people are like, I don't want to go wait today, so I'm not going to go. But like, I think it's actually really powerful too to have courts that have 40 people because of like we just talk that's where you meet your friends when you first start playing so i love it it's, it's the greatest sport what do you hope people get out of your content hmm. that's a good question like earlier when i said talking about the trailer like when they finish a trailer and the people turn and they're like oh that's sick we got to see that i hope people if they were to think about like on all the content of mine they watch i would hope that they would just be like that guy really helped me it was funny too you know like those would be the main thing I, that guy really helped me it was funny it was entertaining and that's what I just hope people like take away from. It. I just want, I mean, I'm now realizing how much the educational stuff helps. I literally had somebody, this, this kind of blew my mind, but somebody reached out to me today and like, yo, that third shot drop video you made changed my life. And I read it. Is it was, Chris? Yeah, Chris. It was Chris. Yeah. <laughs> he needed that video so badly. His like third is so bad. It's like, it almost never goes over the net. And then also when it does go over the net, it like goes out, <laughs> like left, right, and above. And then he gets so frustrated, but he never practices. And um, are we still recording? I don't want to be mean to Chris, but it's, his third shot drop is so bad. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so he said it changed his life and I, you know, Chris, you're welcome. But the, that's what, that's really what I hope people get out of it is that I, I kind of live by this line. You can do serious work while having fun. You can do serious work while having fun. I'm a goofy guy and is, is pickleball educational videos, serious work. You could argue there's a lot more serious work in the world. Um, but that's how I approach almost everything I do that I'm going to take it very seriously. When I make a video, I, I take it very seriously how I structure a video and like how even just how the edit's going to get done. I have an editor now. We go back and forth a lot and I'm very serious about that. But in that seriousness, I just want to have fun the whole time too. And yeah. That's, that's my goal. It's so interesting seeing the final product and most people don't know like what goes into it. What does that process look like? For YouTube, I, you know, I, a lot, most of my, like the hard mind power goes toward YouTube and writing my newsletter. Um, the short form stuff is a little bit easier for me to make. It doesn't always require as much. Now, of course you could argue you're doing something that's 60 seconds. It could take a lot to do something super well for 60 seconds, but I put a lot of mind power towards like, let's say YouTube, for example. Um, what goes into making a YouTube video is constantly being on the lookout for, as I'm playing, what am I thinking about? I'll be making notes. As I play, with, I'll play with some of my friends who are like around 4.0 and always when I'm playing with them, I'm, I'm just kind of watching and observing what do they need? And that's- What does Chris need? What does Chris need? Oh, he's not, he's, well, that's when I play with the three fives. When I play with the four O's, there's, that's something different than three five at best, Chris Alton, but- I'm so sorry, Chris. 
<laughs> he's getting so much love. Like he, it's actually the best thing for him. Like we're gonna, channel's gonna blow up, or everyone's gonna unfollow him. <laughs> right, go ahead and go to the, that pickleball studio, the pickleball studio, and unfollow his account. Um, <laughs> he's such a good guy too. People are gonna really think we hate him. <laughs> the truth is, we love him. In fact, I was texting with him right before this, and he uh, told him I hate him. No, probably shouldn't say. Anyway, so. Um, it, so it's just like a, it's a, it's really like a brainstorm of ideas. I have a, I have some like a notion doc. I, I kind of keep notes in different places. And before I make a video, I, I often will be like, all right, like how many people am I going to have for the video? And a lot of times I'll make a video with three of my friends who are four Oh, and I have, it's really, it's worked out really well. I decided to start, try to start teaching what they need. And so like, we'll go play for a couple hours and then they'll be really generous with their time and, and spend 30, 45 minutes doing videoing after or before whatever works out. But I'm trying to do something that that they can really benefit from and because i know if they can benefit from there's going to be a lot of other people that can benefit but also it's not going to feel like a waste of time that's one of the hardest things with filming is like i learned early on and then i'll explain the rest of the process but i learned early on it's easier to make a four like a a strategic video with four people so you can just show it rather than i have this one video i just posted it actually it's on at around the post atp defense and my editor's so good. <laughs> I was like, now imagine that I'm Kyle one and Kyle two is standing over there. He literally like took me out of frame and made another one of me over there. I'm like, that's amazing editing, but like I can make it easier on him and just cut four people. So I try to figure that out. So they'll help me with that. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> God damn it, Chris. <laughs> Why is Chris so bad at this? Um, but uh okay i'll think about how many people i have yeah and then i'll i'll, I'll go i literally sit down a paper i always use like cardstock i like using cardstock paper and um i don't know I like, I like making my notes always on hand when i go to actually make the notes that i'll carry with me for the video and i'll sit down for about probably 30 45 minutes i'll outline the structure of it which is usually it's a pretty similar structure i'll have like a hook for the video um and then i'll i'll, I'll try to i'm trying like to add new story elements that like keep people engaged on it so it's not boring and fun stuff um and then i'll just like put the body i'll put the teaching I'll put anything like any camera angles I think are going to be important for the teaching. The, what's going to be the next video? Cause YouTube is like, you know, what's the next video you want to keep people watching your stuff. So like what would make the most sense to be the next video. And then like right now I have four of those pa papers in my backpack cause I have four videos to make. And so, um, next when I, when I go to make a video, then I get to you know show up. If it's, if it's not horrible weather, like 150 in, in, in Phoenix, I'll do it at my house. Um, but recently I, I go to lifetime fitness and so like, we'll go sometimes film at nighttime. So it's actually not my, my, my phone doesn't just overheat, but then we go there. I literally have my phone. I have my audio. I have one of my friends. I just use their phone, bring two tripods, like 20 bucks. I set up two iPhone cameras, hit start, have them both play for 40 minutes or so, and then just change the camera angles when I need to, and then come back, send it to my editor, make notes, boom. And then that's when the real process begins for him. You know, him and I videos can take from probably hit from his time from five hours to I made a video about like the rules of pickleball that he spent probably a hundred hours on. And so I love that process, him and I going back and forth. And also like, I got, you know, two, actually two guys helping me right now. Um, they're both so good. And just like the ability to get creative with them, with people who are way better at editing than me. So that's, that's the process. It's come up with idea, put idea on paper, go out and film, send to editor, go back and forth to the editor three to a hundred times, depending on the, the, the video. And then, put it on the schedule and post it out on December 31st, 2020, 2020 was a wild year. You wrote down, become a competent filmmaker. Mm -hmm. What was your thought going into that? And where did that come from? Now, wh wh where did I write that? Was that on my, I wrote, I know I wrote that, but was that like my personal, you did some research. Yeah. I went into the depths 
It might have been my personal Instagram account. Probably, yeah, personal. Yeah. Become a competent filmmaker. I've loved film and like making short videos for years. And then during COVID, um, during like March, COVID came around March 2020. And then the company I was working for, PGC Basketball, we did in-person, we still, still a company exists. We do in-person basketball camps. And then I basically was like, I had to figure out, we, we had no camps that were going to run that summer because of COVID. So then the, the, the company turned from like doing in-person camps, like, hey, we got to do online programming. Um, one, to like save the company and two, like to serve a bunch of kids who are, are not going to get a chance to do in-person basketball camps. Like how do we still help the basketball community? And so one of the guys who worked for the company is one of my best friends. He was like the main on-camera talent. He lived like 15 minutes from me, still does. And so we just shifted. And then the president of the company was like, hey, Kyle, can we like, can you and Tyler start trying to make all this like online content? And I had just started using like editing software. I used Final Cut Pro. And I had just got like a Zoom H6 recorder just like prior to COVID. So I started doing, I had no idea. Like the first time I used a Zoom H6 recorder, I walked in the gym, I plugged in some of the cords. I like gave my buddy the mic. I didn't even test the sound or I didn't even know if the sound was working. I didn't like plug in the headphones like you're supposed to do. And I just gave him the the thing. We get back to the, the house. I was going to do the editing or whatever afterwards. And I didn't record any of it. And like, <laughs> it was like really good stuff, but I didn't, I mean, I just didn't know anything. Right. That's the point. And then I started to learn more and more. And then during COVID it accelerated my just filming skill and knowledge just so fast. And then I started just, I probably, I've edited probably 2000 videos in my life up to this point during COVID. I probably edited like 500 videos in a span of three months. And I remember just more and more as I started editing, this gets back to your question, competent filmmaker. I just loved telling stories and I loved, you know, learning how to make an edit tight and how to like have a video end and for somebody to say like, that was awesome or somebody to feel, you know, moved by something that I edited. And I, so I was behind the camera not doing super technical stuff with like, like we're in a pretty cool space right now. And I know the settings on a camera and stuff. I don't almost do, I do 99.9% .9 of my stuff on an iPhone, but like at the time it was more just storytelling for me. I just loved storytelling and I love getting in the camera and like in, in creating something. And so what did it mean? I, I, I become a competent filmmaker just meant that I knew how to tell a great story. I knew how to use equipment if I needed to use the equipment. Um, but more than anything, I just wanted to like create cool videos that made people smile or laugh or move them emotionally in some way. Now that it's been three years mm -hmm. and you like look back on that goal, what comes to mind? Even zoom out for a second, like to backpedal. When I was when I was in, uh, see I was probably 20, out of college, I played basketball through college, we'll probably talk about that. But after, in my senior year in college, I started taking improv, an improv, I needed an extra credit. I was like, oh, improv seems fun. Making people laugh seems fun. So I took an improv class. Then I went and started working at this hospital. And, and at the hospital, I worked with this guy named Richard. And Richard's a professional improviser, um, still does, improv in Orlando. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And he's just so good doing improv comedy, which is basically if people don't know, you just get up on stage, say two, three, four people, there's an audience and you say, Hey, like, give me your favorite activity. They say swimming. All of a sudden the lights go down, lights come up and you are acting out a scene about swimming and there's principles in improv and, and, and they help tell a story, make people laugh the whole thing. So I got obsessed with improv for like a year or probably two years. Then all of a sudden simultaneously, I, I got obsessed with storytelling. And so I was just like reading every storytelling book I could. I was doing improv courses. I did improv courses for like two years straight. I was like performing and stuff. And then I was learning about storytelling. Then all of a sudden, randomly, I started getting obsessed with writing. And so I was, I started, I started like, a, I just write a blog and I just have a newsletter right now that I've written like 80 weeks almost in a row, like 80 out of 82, I think. 
And so I started writing a lot. So I had improv, I had storytelling, I had writing. And simultaneously, I was working these basketball camps where I was leading basketball camps where essentially like we did classroom sessions and we did court sessions. And, and, and that's what I was actually at last week. And so there's like two, two to three classroom sessions a day, three court sessions a day. I'm basically presenting in front of an audience of 100. They're, they're like ninth through 12th graders, 12 times a week. I did that for, I've probably done that 30 times. Okay, so I'm just getting all these reps. So I have all these things that I'm just, I'm so interested in. And I, they all kind of revolve around the same thing though. It's like entertainment, education, um, and some of, some of it, like just making people laugh. I just love those things. And so I think like if you really got to the competent filmmaker thing, that was just, that was like in the weeds a little bit. If I zoomed out, where am I at three years later? I'm actually doing all the same stuff I was trying to do before. I just have more skills now because I just happen to dabble in comedy. I happen to dabble in writing, happen to dabble in film. And now I make all these videos, but it's like because of the four or five years that I spent doing these other things. And so where am I at now? I'm like living this dream life, honestly. Just like living the best, having so much fun, getting a chance to really do just a few things. One, I just, all the videos I make, I, I'm obviously doing a lot of educational content. So I want to educate people on pickleball. Um, two, just like have a ton of fun and make it entertaining. And, and three, from a content standpoint, just make people laugh. I just love making people laugh. I've always loved that. And so I think that's where I'm at now. That yeah, I wrote that down as a competent filmmaker, but now I'm just like in this other place. Yeah, you've accomplished like quite a bit in three years. And it's like, there's a lot of ways to, a lot of different ways to look at it. Like, like on your YouTube channel, you talked about it. You reached one a million views total on that channel as mm -hmm. far as like all total views. So you could look at it from like analytics and numbers perspective. That's pretty shallow for someone to be like, oh man, he reached like a million views. Like this guy must feel very fulfilled. Mm -hmm. But I feel like from what I've, gathered from you and being able to see what you do like it seems like a lot more fulfillment comes from educating because you just came from that basketball camp um so given where you are now what are your goals from like one to three years from now mm -hmm. do they look a lot different oh yeah uh yeah they're, they're, they're different i mean two years ago i didn't even know what pickleball really i didn't know what pickleball was uh my my two goals really surround my whole life right now my whole, not my whole life my my pickleball life i should say revolves around two things, creating content and playing pro pickleball at the highest level I can. And it's, it's been like, I've had a chance to really narrow my focus and think through these. Cause like when partnership opportunities come, I constantly think, does this take away from the two things I care most about? If I'm going to keep the main thing, the main thing, or does it take away from? And so I've gotten really clear on this and my one, my actually my primary goal above the content is to play at the highest level I can and to like train. I have so much fun waking up and like drilling. I have so much fun playing, playing rec with my, my buddies. I have so much fun going to tournaments and trying to get better. And so a big part of my day is actually revolving around becoming a better pickleball player. I just love it. It's just so, it just brings me back to playing college basketball. And I know we'll probably get into some of that as well, but like that's number, that's really number one. And if I had to break down the percentage of enjoyment, like out of hundred percent, it's probably like 55, 45 or 50, you know, 53, 47. Is that right? Yeah, like from playing to content, um, I actually like, I, I go to sleep a lot of times at night thinking about how to get better. Not always what my next video is gonna be, even though that's, again, it's very close, but that's where I go to sleep at night, you know, often with my mind wandering. And then the other side is content. And it's just like, yeah, it's just like, I write a newsletter, I, I um, make YouTube videos, I have put stuff on Instagram and TikTok, 
And like, th- that's the content side. But I think holistically, what was your original question? That's a good question. Okay, I was going to tie it back. But I think holistically, like my, <laughs> Goal. my, my, my goals, yeah, my yeah. two goals, like one to three years. I mean, I, ideally, I'm like top 10 in pickleball in, 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 in a two-year period. That would, that's what I'm working towards. You know, and if not, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. Like it's because it's, this is an infinite game I'm playing right now. Like I'm not, you I know, people all that all the yeah, time. it's not, it's not, there's no, if I get to say, if I got to number 10 in the world in the next six months, nothing stops. I continue doing the same things I'm doing. And so in a lot of ways I've won in my mind already because I'm doing, I'm living a life really that I, that I, I didn't know this was what was going to come of it, but what's come of it has been amazing yeah. and I'm getting a chance to do a lot of really cool stuff. So it's really like at the end of two years, if people are like thinking about me and they're like, yeah, that guy just makes really fun educational videos and he competes his ass off in pickleball. That's, that's my one to three year goal to continue waking up in the morning, super fired up to do these things. Like I, I love wake, I'll wake up at four 30 in the morning and like work for two hours and then go drill for two hours and then go work a little bit more and then maybe take a little nap and then go train some more. But I like, I just get fired up doing this and to be able to wake up and get fired up doing the thing, doing work and you get paid for it. That's, I mean, everybody listening to this at some level is probably like either, either doing that or wanting to be doing that or trying to find a way to do that. I mean, so that's where I think more than an outcome, it's like, it's not a million, it has nothing to do with numbers. Of course I have like, I want to build the platform and stuff, but it's all just like, and that'll probably change, you know, eventually I'll have a family. So my life will look different. But right now it's just those two things, like compete as hard as I can, get better at pickleball and make awesome entertaining videos and educational content that people just love to consume. Dude, that sounds like the dream life, honestly, like creating content and then playing, especially at like a high level. And you have a court in your backyard. So like you have a lot more control over what that looks like too. Like if it's just like, Hey, I got to go to like a public court, like every single day, Mm -hmm. if you're on the way to becoming a pro. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That's awesome though, dude. I remember watching you and Craig Johnson playing against the Johns brothers in that covered court, that event that had the covered court mm-hmm. and like the, the announcers were getting fired up. Like the dink rallies were like amazing. I remember people were like, oh, their quads must be burning. <laughs> well, Craig's and, quads were burning because yeah. he was doing all the dinking. I was just standing there like watching him. <laughs> I tell us, like me and Colin were just like not really playing. A couple of those points, we weren't really playing. And Ben and him had like a 109 shot rally and they were going back and forth. And uh, I was over there like thinking about what I was going to eat for dinner and all those things. And Colin was recommending some good books to read. So we were just having, a, you know, it was, it was an awesome match. It's so cool, though. And also seeing the way like your channel has changed, you can see a lot of the early stuff like it's mixed in with the shorts. If you look at it from a chronological order on your YouTube page, but you see a lot of that stuff and then you drastically start to see the thumbnail starting to change. There's more color. There's more like text in the thumbnails. The titles are getting better. And then the videos themselves, the editing has gotten, it's immediately, they use a lot of movement. The editor is using a lot of movement to Mm -hmm. capture like your attention right off the get go. And then also the way you articulate things coming from a coaching background is very helpful. I I was really fortunate because doing PGC basketball, which again is summer basketball camps, um, travel around six, eight weeks in the summer for a bunch of years and like go teach. I got the experience of public speaking, just more reps than most anybody would get in a short condensed time. And I got to get trained by, in my opinion, this basketball camp is the number one camp for young people. Like, no, I don't even care what sport it's the number one camp. Like it's leadership. It's, 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 um, it's obviously on court skills, but there's all these things that you learn beyond basketball. And so the teachers involved in it and the people that were training us 
where Arge world class. I was I was with maybe one of the best teachers I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe one of the best teachers in the world. Chris Olson. No, he's so bad. <laughs> he's so bad. <laughs> Is Chris watching this? If you're watching this, Chris, yeah, you're you're uh, a lot of work to do. Um, <laughs> but my buddy, my buddy Chad's one of the best teachers in the world, in my opinion. And of course, I haven't seen everybody, but like I've seen a lot of teachers. He's the best, one of the best I've ever seen. But and also, as that guy, as a coach, what do you know that he does behind the scenes to be in like an ex- exceptional just, coach? Just relentless practice and study. Right. And it's yeah. like, it's like reps and it's intentional, it's intentional practice and it's deep reflection over and over and he's done it for 15 years. So yeah. watching him teach is just like, it's, it's amazing to watch the reactions, responses, emotional changes, um, the learning that comes when he teaches these, these ninth through 12th grade players, like these lessons in basketball and whatnot. So, so he was one of the people that trained me. And so I got training for gosh, two or three years. And one of the things I didn't mention earlier on is like, I, I spent like two, three years kind of all in on, I did some of these things simultaneously, all in on teaching. I was reading every teaching book I could. And so I got a chance to just be trained and like get a lot of experience in that. So it's fun for me. And now I do have more experience than a lot of people like going into content because I have a background of kind of that those camps, which is, I look back, I just can't like emphasize enough how much that helped me do what I'm doing now. And so you don't just like walk out there and do it. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've spent you know, probably at this point thousands of hours on the craft. Yeah. You know? I'm not trying to condemn anyone for trying, especially like, especially content, uh, but trying anything. But I do think there is something to be said about not just following what others are doing or not just following like the typical blueprint Mm -hmm. and just figuring out like, what's your value proposition? How are you doing it differently? But also like it comes back to quality. Like, are you just going out there and repeating what other people are saying Mm -hmm. and just be like, Hey, I'm just going to put this on my channel. Or are you going out there and you're understanding how does coaching work? How does, how are, how does teaching work? How does like, how do people receive information? How do they process it? How do we understand humans and like the psychology of learning? Yeah. And then, and then going out and putting that out there. Yeah. I just come from like a jujitsu background where Mm. there's just a lot of that a lot of people just opening up gyms and they just want to do it because they just see the quick path or, yeah. or the easy path of like, Hey, there's a lot of money involved for and there's sure. like an opportunity to gain money. There's nothing wrong with chasing money first. I think for the most part that this country is built on a bunch of people like immigrants who came here for just a better life. And a lot of that is rooted in money. The problem is when you start like dipping into like unethical wealth creation and stuff like that, but the quality and like the customer should come first. For sure. I think the intention, the intention definitely matters. And yeah. I, when I think back to when I started, I didn't actually, if you would go back to my Instagram page and look, I don't, I don't think I made an educational video for over a year. Cause when I first started playing, I was actually just going like entertainment. Maybe I would say something about an Ernie or something like that. Yeah. But in part of what you said, I, I personally didn't feel equipped to teach pickleball yet. Yeah. I knew I knew some stuff about teaching, but I was like still learning so much about pickleball. And now after about a year, I started doing some videos. Selkirk actually had encouraged me like, Hey, with educational stuff. I remember having a conversation, um, with, I think it was, I think it was Rob or maybe, maybe it was Mike Barnes and, and they were like, yeah, I would love for you to do some educational stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm not really quite there yet. I still feel like I'm That's learning. That's a good feeling. That's the right feeling yeah. to have, right? You're like, you feel almost inadequate, which then fuels you to becoming the, the person that you need to be. And so I love that. And I, in addition, like months after that, I started some videos. I had, to, I started probably before I felt ready, which I think often happens. And, but I, I am obsessed. I'm obsessed with pickleball. 
and I'm, I, I watch, I, I, I watch pickleball every night. Like I watch so many matches and, and I, and I, when I watch matches, I also clip, like I, I screen record and I clip things. And then I just like, so I have folders of stuff, um, one potentially to use for future content, but two, just for, for learning. And so when I do go out and teach, I do feel really confident in 85% of the skills that I'm teaching. Sometimes there'll be something I'm like, ah, I don't know. People will ask me to teach something. And I'm like, I don't know if I feel good about this yet. Third shot drop, for example, I just put out a video on how to hit a third shot drop. And I didn't Shameless do it. Self-promotion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I won't say how many views it got, 162,000. But uh, <laughs> no, but for real, that video, it's like one of the first videos that people often search for. Yeah. And, and like, you just look at like keyword research and stuff. People want to know how to hit a third shot drop. And I just felt so unequipped to teach that video, partly because I was like trying to figure out my own technique for it. I had, I'd watched other videos and seen stuff, but I just kept thinking like, what are the principles of this shot? I don't, I don't feel good about it. So I didn't make a video for it. And I probably made 25 videos before I made a third shot drop video. So I just, I've been constantly making stuff I feel good about. And there's going to be more stuff I make in, in time. As I feel better about it, I'll make it. Cause I don't want to, like you were mentioning, I don't want to come across as, I don't want to, I actually don't even watch that many pickleball YouTube channels. Cause I don't really want to go watch how everybody else is doing it. Except Chris's stuff. I don't watch his either, but, but, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't personally, okay. I say pickleball educational stuff. I don't watch yeah. a lot of it in a little bit of it, there's so few guys doing it. And I don't, I don't want to just go see their thing and then use their language. I actually want to just discover it for myself, which yeah. is like the third shot drop. I feel like I really just discovered, you know, and of course it, you can't, you can't go without seeing other people's stuff. You're going to see it. But I, I really do my best not to intentionally go watch a lot of videos. I mean, to not watch videos with the intention. Um, I just never want to be accused of that. I feel you know? I a hundred percent resonate with that. Yeah. I don't, I want to support other creators. But then I also like don't want I know myself well enough to know that I will copy something that I watch. I, I copy literally everything like nature. Like if you watch comedy and you watch any like pretty much any like video podcast that's on like maybe stoicism or leadership, you're going to see a lot of ties of like what I say and right. also how I film this. Like so I agree 100 percent on that. Yeah, I, and I think like there's a book still like an artist. It's basically like basically like borrow ideas and make them your own. Awesome, it's kind yeah. of the thing. And and a lot of people will just like and this has happened to me. I've had people just like steal my stuff, put it on their and and that's okay. I mean, I don't. It depends. I don't. I don't get too wound up about it. It's such a small thing to put your emotional energy on, unless someone's like taking your stuff and making money off yeah, it. You get like a million views. Like that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I'm even talking to you <laughs> with so few YouTube subscribers. <laughs> it's uh the honor is cut, cut, the cut. honor the honor is really yours <laughs> i saw that in, in ted lasso the other day that's why i came to mind i was sorry quick side note i was watching the season three third episode that new have you watched this no oh i don't watch tv do i even go on i'll go on basically one of the uh the, the soccer guy walked up to the woman and he was like it's an honor for you to meet me <laughs> it was cringy anyway so uh back to chris olsen cringy anyway let's keep going <laughs> Did you just call him cringe Olson? I, I feel bad. That's actually a tough word to use because because he's actually worse. He's, uh, no, I'm just kidding. For all the people out there, Chris is like one of my close, <laughs> close friends. We talk every day. We're just, we're giving him crap. And he's got a great channel, that Pickleball Studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, but oh, but to the point, just like borrowing ideas. It happens. It's impossible not to use stuff from other people. I am just like, I want to really create. And I'm going to say the same thing as other people. I just, I want to make it my own as much as possible. I don't want to go copy other people's stuff especially because the community is so small. Like you, you walk, you, you cross paths with like Jordan Briones. I, I really, I, I watched very few of Jordan Briones' videos. Like Jordan, really? Only because- y Your stuff looks so similar. 
<laughs> Yo, shout out Jordan. Jordan's the best. Jordan is such a good guy. And like I've watched he's got great stuff too. And he's also just like a really good teacher. And so like I will watch his stuff occasionally, but like he lives 15 minutes from me. I'm gonna see Jordan like all the time. So I so I, I don't wanna like I'm not trying to be Jordan. I don't want to yeah. take his stuff. Of course, we're both gonna say like, you know, lift the ball on your third. You know, it's not like crazy, there's not gonna be crazy stuff. That's those are principles that you can watch enough pickleball and yeah. identify and extract and then make your own. But I think that's the main thing. I mean, there's so many good people out there making good stuff. So it's just like, I also, I just think support and um, do your best not to steal. Yeah. yeah. It's funny when Austin was talking about like the art that he creates and people start reaching out to him like, dude, how'd you make this? How'd you make this? He's like, I'm not telling you. Like He's like, I know myself well enough to know that if I give that out to you, that's like secret. It's mm -hmm. like, it's what I enjoy about creating is that mm -hmm. like no one else can replicate what he's doing. Who, who says that? Austin Cleon. Okay. The guy from that book. He okay. like created these weird, like Im not weird, very abstract, different images. And people just keep asking like, how are you doing this? What mm -hmm. like program are you using? And he's just like, I'm not going to give that away. Oh yeah. And I was like, I respect that. Yeah. Because like as a creator, when you have like a process that you do, and I think there's a difference between gatekeeping as well. We pickleball has been a, amazing community for not gatekeeping um you've told me you've given me so much information chris has given me information pickleball will has given me information mm -hmm. um but actually like chris recommended that sure sm7v <laughs> dude chris chris are you gonna sponsor this episode yeah, dude, this episode is actually sponsored by chris also we're talking about him way too much and it's actually ridiculous we gotta cut we should bleep out his name every time it, um, from here on out we're gonna bleep out chris's name <laughs> oh man okay you signed with selkirk when, what was it? Just the date that you signed with them initially? Uh, it was it was gosh, six months probably before last January. So maybe like maybe June. Is that that's six months out? Maybe okay. June of twenty the year ago, whatever that was. June of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Okay, Ish. so you can't do math. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. what month? Are, so February of twenty twenty two. So I'm uncomfortable that I'm wearing these shorts and that they're seeing my whole body. <laughs> stop flexing um so there's like june 2022 and then you also re-signed yeah when that partnership happened when the deal like came across your desk what was that like because i don't think you had had any large sponsorships before that yeah none uh well the way it, the way it happened um i think i think it was rob one of the barnes brothers reached out to me on facebook and said something along the lines of and hey, my dad follows your weekly newsletter and at the time i think I, I only had like 500 subscribers on my newsletter and so like i, I hadn't been doing it that long and so he said follows the newsletter um some enjoys reading it would you be interested in talking about a possible partnership and so i was like yeah and at the time i like had some conversations with paddle tech i was using a paddle tech and so i reached out to paddle tech um and we got on a phone call and then just talked through some ideas ended up doing just a, a little bit of a shorter term deal which i don't think they they do too often so we did a little short-term deal and it was neat. I mean, it was, I was like playing 4-0 pickleball at the time. So I really, or maybe four or five, I wasn't playing at a very high level. I was just, I was more of a content creator than a player at the time. I mean, I was, I was working to get better, but I, yeah. you know, people would know me really only as a content creator. And so it was, it was cool to like get the opportunity to do that, to make a little bit of money in, and do some content with them. Um, and so that's really where the partnership started, which is like a Facebook message. Um, what was your original question? Short-term memory loss. <laughs> I try to give some context to the 
Chris, will you show up, please, and take Chris a seat? Chris usually keeps me in line. Bleep that out. <laughs> I was just trying to get a better understanding of what you look for in a partnership oh, yeah. now. And also, like, you re-signed with them. So okay, that's yeah. also a big deal. Considering this presence that you have and also how many other brands there are out there, yeah. that's re-signing usually means that there's a good relationship and there's also uh, – it's mutually beneficial in yeah. terms of financials and just your increasing – your brand. Yeah. Well, I, I love, number one, I just like the people at Selkirk a lot. And so I had good experiences with Rob and Mike when I was going through the first kind of six months. And then I met uh, my buddy Cooper Deck, who's really instrumental in all their content. And so him and I spent a lot of time together and got a chance to do content together. He was, he was great. Um, so I got Colin, did a lot of work with Colin and Cooper. And so like just the people were really good. And that, as I was going to think about resigning, I mean, I didn't actually didn't even look at any, anywhere else. I just, we had a conversation um, and talk through a bunch of stuff. And so I liked the way they were investing in content. That was maybe the number one thing. It was like, these guys are invested in content. You could see it. Like they have uh, an email newsletter that goes out, multiple emails that go out each week. They're investing in content. I was having conversations with Cooper about you know stuff that they were coming, uh, they were gonna be coming up with in the, in the future. They had Selkirk TV. So there was a clear investment there. And, and with that, I was like, okay, it's, it would be nice. I don't wanna just make content um, one, I want to make content for a brand with a paddle. I like, I like Selkirk's paddles a lot and, and have ever since I first started. And so that was helpful. And then where the direction they were going, that was important to me as well. And I think, so when I look at like partners, I don't have many partnerships right now. Um, and I've had, I've had, um, I've had multiple conversations. I only have two actually. I have Selkirk and there's a, there's a company in Phoenix. that's like a recovery center called Optimize that I, I, they have cold plunges, uh, compression boots, they have sauna, hot tub, all that stuff. And I go there all the time. I love the guys over there and what they're creating. And so like, those are just two, those are my only two partners. And you might like, well, why? Cause I, I have started to build a larger platform, but most everything hasn't fit into the two things I mentioned earlier, which is, is this going to help me compete at the highest level I can and train? And is this going to help me make entertaining videos and, that also educate, um, people on the game? And so like, I kept filtering it through those two things. And a lot of times I, I thought really hard about a couple of things. That's some really cool opportunities, but it's like taking me outside of those two things. And I'm like, all right, this is, this would make, potentially make me some more money and is a cool thing. I like what you're building, but my main focus in pickleball right now is again, to make the educational and entertaining content and to play at the highest level possible. So if the, the partnership wasn't going to fit into, and most of the time it's going to fit into, um, it's going to fit into the, the content side, right? Cause people want to sell whatever they have. And so if it's not just going to seamlessly fit in, then I, I was really going to hesitate. And I have hesitated and said no to pretty much everything. Cause I just didn't want to divert from that. So what do I look for? I kind of look for those number one. And then two is just like good people. And do I like the product? You know, I, I there's been plenty of, plenty of things I could, I could do, but it's just like, just make a thousand bucks here, 500 bucks here. Um, but I maybe just didn't think it was worth the time. I didn't necessarily vibe with the people there. So mm -hmm. I've been lucky because I have a good partnership with Selkirk and it's a longer term deal that I can say no to some other stuff because I have this great relationship with them. Um, and so I have until, you know, I basically just say no until something's good enough to say yes, you know, and I'm lucky to be at that position. Everyone can't be at that position when they first start though. You might yeah. not have Selkirk as one of your primary partners or another paddle company or whatever as a primary partner. So then you have to like, you, it's better to say yes because you actually just need some income if you're going to go full time at it. And you're you're doing this right now and starting full time. There's probably going to I don't want to align with something I totally disagree with, 
but there was actually almost a couple of partnerships I did that I was like, eh, but it's like, you know, make me some money and I kind of need some money right now. And that was kind of before the re-signing of Selkirk that I almost did. And I ended up not doing them for a couple of reasons, but it worked out. So that's typically what I look for when I'm trying to evaluate, you know, is this going to be a good partnership? If you feel comfortable disclosing, what is longer term? I think I, uh, it's a couple of years. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a couple years. What were you like as a kid? Energetic. You don't um, say. Yeah, you say no, you don't say. <laughs> this guy wouldn't let me sleep, dude. Yeah. <laughs> making so much noise upstairs. <laughs> um, yeah, as a energetic kid. I just I love sports growing up and and competing at things. Um I I love I I just like loved enter I've always loved enter I've always loved these two things, entertainment and sports. Like those have been the two things I think that have just been a constant throughout my entire life. I mean, when I was in fifth grade. I don't even know why I did this, but I went to Blue Water Elementary in the Panhandle of Florida, Niceville, Florida. If anyone's from Niceville, Florida, shout out. And and they, we like school plays every year, right? And so like, I don't know, I always kind of wanted to be in the school play, but I never like tried out for the part. So I always played stage crew, you know, which is basically like when the scene changes, they close the curtain and we're going to like bring out the next like piece of cardboard for the, you know, that's painted, whatever, whatever. And so... Then in my when I got to fifth grade, there was this play we were running. This new music teacher came in, Mrs. Parker, and she wanted to put on this humongous production. So we ran this play called The, the Music Man. Have you heard of this play before? No. Okay, it's basically about like this traveling salesman who goes in and tries to start a, a band um, in this little city and whatever. So as I as I run this play, it's like a big production. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to like try out for the lead part. And I'd never done it. I think probably because like my friends, I didn't want them to think I was weird. And I was like a sports kid. And so I'm not going to like be the guy in the play, but I was like, screw it. So I decided to do it. So the, the, the auditions come and I'm like getting ready for the, I have to like sing a few lines and I have to say a few words and I'm so freaking nervous. And I kind of liked one of the girls that was like trying out for the lead female part. I knew it. This was, this was, (laughs) I knew this had to be like a catch. This is it. But but we know we were, we were just talking, you know? And so, um, I like went to the audition and, my, one of my buddies, Evan, was also trying out. Evan went up on front and he started like singing and doing his thing. I'm like, holy cow, Evan is so confident, composed. That guy is going to be Harold Hill, like the lead part in this play. And so then it was my turn to come up. And I remember I went, went up the stage. The whole, like everybody's in the room. There's probably 40 people in the room because everybody's going to be trying out for their part. And some of them are going to be in front of big groups. I'm a small group. So this one's in front of the big group because it's the lead part. So I go up to the front of the room. And Ms. Parker goes, all right, Kyle, here we go. And so I'll like go to start singing and like I open my mouth. And like nothing comes out of my mouth. So I'm just like so, I'm just panicking right now because I'm so nervous. Evan just did way better than me. It's not, not easy to follow Evan. Okay. So I go up there, do that. And Miss Parker goes, Kyle, like, take a deep breath. Like breathe a little bit. So I was like, so I took a deep breath. And then all of a sudden I start to deliver and I start singing. Words actually come out this time. And I start saying the lines for the part I was supposed to say the lines for. And I don't think it was anything too good per se. Right? It was uh, it was just okay, and I finished. I remember when I finished, I felt like I felt like I'd done really bad, and then I auditioned and ended. Ever went out to the car. My mom was waiting for me outside. And I got in the car. I thought I was done so horrible. I just started crying, and I was really upset. I really wanted to get this part, and it wasn't just about the girl. Like I wanted to like I, there was something in me. Like what was it like as a kid, there was something in me that wanted to do this like entertainment thing, and so the next morning I wake up and Miss Parker was gonna have like her sheet on the thing uh, on her on her door and it was going to say like this part this name this part this name this part this name. so i walk up and i'm so nervous like my heart is pounding and like i'm starting to, like my hands are sweating like knees weak arms are heavy palms are sweaty 
mom's spaghetti mom's spaghetti i'm nervous from the service like common ready and so I, I walk up to the door and i like there's people there right it's like a line of six people so i'm trying to like look over and i can't see where my name is and then all of a sudden they kind of disperse and i like walk up to the door slowly like i almost don't want to see the pain i'm about to experience and as i walk up and i see like harold hill the lead character dash it said kyle kazuda oh wow and i was like oh let's go right and i was Did so you start crying well, I didn't start crying. I was almost just like, ta- I was shocked because I was, there's almost, there's two things in life you're so certain about. And I was certain that Evan was better than me when I left. And now, of course, some of that was probably just self-doubt and whatever. But I walked up and saw my name and I remember just like this, this joy that I had uh, that I just made this part for this thing I'd never done before, which was like, I was going to be the lead in this play, which had like hundreds of lines. It, 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 had, it was a humongous production. Um, and I had to study, like I studied for probably like, 50 hours or more time than that probably to get ready for this play. But as I think about like my childhood, I think about, I really think about that moment because it was the first time I did something different than what I had always done, which was play sports. And it was, it was the first time I like had to go up and say lines and act. And that was, and after that year, I actually, my sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, I was in middle school. We didn't have like plays anymore. And I didn't have time because of basketball. And I was also in the band at the time to like go do like the, the acting stuff. Right. And so, um, and you're a thespian and, uh, and in band, you I was, sounded I was so really cool. cool. I was so cool. <laughs> so, I mean, how could that girl ignore you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we ended up actually. She got the lead part, and I got the I got the main part in this fifth grade. And so we ended up being doing the whole year together. We started dating uh, as as fifth graders do, and then we had the stage kiss at the end. So we didn't actually kiss, but like like I turned my head this way, and she turned her head this way, and like we pretended to kiss. Um, it was so bad, in fact, that the next year. They actually, like, I was wearing a hat during the scene. Next year, the kid actually took his hat off. It was huge. Put it in front of the audience to make the kiss look not so fake, right? And so, but we, we didn't live happily ever after. A few months later after that, she, like, we were at this, this festival at the school, and she wanted to, like, play on the big toy and the thing, and I didn't want to. I wanted to, like, play basketball. So we broke up right then. Damn, if yeah. only she could see how many YouTube subscribers <laughs> you have now. <laughs> it would have been different, yeah. So I think that, I do think that's, like, summarizes a little bit of, the sports thing was always there. I love, I love playing sports, but where the entertainment side was born, I just had so much joy acting out that part and like preparing for it and then and doing it. So it was, it was awesome. That's so, that's always like an, that's always like an interesting crossroads, I suppose, is running a YouTube channel as a business versus like a, like solely as more of like a creator. Like there are creators even outside of pickleball, like photography filmmakers or like photography and film people on YouTube who edit, who shoot everything, edit everything. They're just like doing it like solely themselves. And Mm -hmm. then there's also like folks like yourself, which there isn't a right or wrong answer here. Uh, They're just two different paths. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot, but it is really interesting to hear the business aspect it's like cool how can we make this so that like you get this goes back to exactly what you're saying before right like is this taking away time or is this adding time and like if you hire more people it adds more time so that you can be able to fill more content you probably have more power to think or more space to think you also be able to play and pursue that professional process more yeah do you have a question? <laughs> he goes, say, yeah. So I was like, where's he going with yeah, it? I thought you were, sorry, I was, uh, I was trying to affirm you. And then you, and you pause. This is kind of like the airport incident. 
<laughs> like you thought I was coming out. I thought you were going to call me. It's like, we just got to know each other. So when, <laughs> damn yeah. it, Chris, <laughs> when did you, how did you come to that decision? Like, or I guess you had talked about previously where you're like, I didn't love, wasn't obsessed with like cameras and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Did you just know you're like, Oh, I just want to go straight to this content creation like streamlined process running it like a business very like efficient oiled up well-oiled machine i mean no i mean nobody knows anything when they first start you know for the most part i mean if you if you if you had a massive background in filmmaking i i had like raw rough stuff um but when you start anything and i really do believe in like and i think this is the back and forth of like content creators who don't know as much or like are trying to educate and maybe they don't really know anything about the game because they want to get money i think that's like the extreme version of it um if that exists but the i do really believe in starting and learning as you go almost like in improv we used to say or i didn't we i mean like i go way back in improv but like the, the books i used to read on it would talk about jump out of your plane jump out of the plane and, and open the parachute on the way down uh build the parachute i'm really good at remembering quotes open i feel like this is important if anyone's gonna go skydiving <laughs> don't listen to kyle i said jump out of the plane and open the parachute on the way down like yeah duh <laughs> yeah. no just wait till you hit the ground that's what you wanted i think the line was i think the line was um jump uh let's let's spend another five minutes of me trying to figure this line out <laughs> all right next topic i think it's uh jump out of the plane and build the parachute on the way down the point is good is, luck with that you know <laughs> well that's the point and so I, I think I think that's the right point. It's it's not it's not having to know everything before you start and starting and it's knowing enough to get started and like that's the difference between it's the difference between motion and and action. Like there was this is a great example. I think I heard this from James Clear in the book Atomic Habits or, or one of his articles. He talked about how there there was like this experiment that went on from this professor at the University of Florida and he had a hundred students and fifty of them he gave um, he gave us an assignment to all of them. Fifty of the students had the assignment to go take a um, hundred pictures and they were going to be graded on the qu- like the quantity of pictures that they took and then he had this other 50 and they were only at the end of the semester going to be graded on the one picture that they took they can only take the one picture so they were going to be over here like theorizing and, and wondering and imagining what the perfect picture would look like but the other group was going to be over here taking picture after picture and improving over time and by the time they hit 100 pictures well who had a better who probably had a better picture the hundredth the hundredth picture they took not the one that this other group took and so to me it's there is there's nuance to it but there's it's the difference between is motion and action and like thinking you're doing something and actually going out and doing it so you get an outcome and so the point for me here is that starting and learning as you go um i think is like a really critical thing so when i started i didn't really know i started just editing my own videos i knew how to edit uh well enough i'm not crazy with animations and graphics but i i started with all these short forms and if you go back to like the first year and a half of my content i edited every single one of those videos for the except for any video maybe i shared with some or collaborated with somebody and so then my friend lily who actually runs basically runs my youtube in a way it's um lily's a girl i went like i go way back with and she played basketball at stanford and then she transferred to notre dame her and business is about to blow up right now yeah, um, well maybe i mean that will help her i mean I'll, but i'll give her a shout out because she's really been a huge instrumental part to, yeah. to my business um and she like she went to notre dame won a national championship in notre dame we have a she works for the same basketball camp company and so that year they won the national championship she was on the team and so um just like really really smart so she was always encouraging me she built a dang near 200,000 subscriber YouTube channel around real estate investing. No big and, deal. Yeah, it's huge, right? 
and very entrepreneurial. And she was always, we talk all the time, even when we, before we were working together and she's like, you should start a YouTube channel. I'm like, I don't know. Like just so much work. Like a YouTube channel is a lot of work. So edit a video, 40 minutes of footage, get it down to 15 and to make it actually good. So people continue to watch and not click away. That's really hard. So she's like, well, like, let me know if everyone can help you a little bit, whatever, whatever. Okay. So time goes on. I still haven't started it. And then she reaches out to me one day and she's like, Hey, I am interested in starting a social media agency. She calls it Lee media. And if you want help, like you could be one of the first clients, we can help you do it. And so she was like, I, I have some editors for you. I'll help you with the thumbnails, all that stuff. Cause YouTube is such a beast. There's titles that matter. The thumbnails you mentioned earlier really matter. Um, you know, when you post the analytics of it really matter to like, make sure you're doing all this stuff. So she started helping me. And when she started helping me, that's when the YouTube channel, like the first video I ever made, which was crazy. And it was much to her guidance was, has like 550,000 views right now. The first, literally the first, not the first YouTube video I ever posted. Cause like I've posted some videos on YouTube. They were just kind of like, oh, let's take this Instagram content and throw it over there. The first legitimate YouTube video is my currently my highest. And that's like unheard of in YouTube. And it just doesn't usually happen for the most part, right? And it, part of it, what happened is she helped me get started the right way. Most people don't, they just like start however they think they just post, which is fine, honestly. That's how I would have started if I didn't have her. But your question was like, did you always know you wanted to streamline it? The answer is no. I knew I just wanted to make content, so I started. And then little things changed, little things changed, little things changed. And Lily helped me like figure out you know, like, this is how we can do YouTube. And then I hired her and now like, she's helped me do all the videos, the editors, the thumbnails, all that stuff. And then that's why I, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's a humongous reason why the YouTube channel is growing pretty fast is because of the little things that she's helping. I just love doing the videos. I love the content. And so for me, I don't, I love the storytelling. I love like writing it out. I love being on camera and trying to make it fun. I don't love editing as much. I like editing was just the medium to get to the outcome of telling that story to get the emotion by the, by the viewer. And so she helps me with that. I get to do the thing I like most. I would 100%, I, I'll invest every dollar I have to like not have to go back to editing or never have to ever, never have to edit a YouTube video because of how much freedom it gives me. And then last thing I'll say on it is back to my two competing in pickleball and getting to the highest level possible, making the best videos I can the competing stuff, it takes a long time. Like I want it to take a long time. Like I like getting up and training a couple of times in a day. I don't always do that, but I will occasionally. Um, I like doing recovery stuff. I like getting a chance to lift and like live a healthy life and help myself lift to get stronger for pickleball. That takes a lot of time. I'd be working 20 hours a day if I was editing my own YouTube videos. I don't want to do that. So that's how I got to the place I'm at. It's hard for me to come up with a question right now because no, when good. I hear you talk about that, I just like, I have to instinctively i'm just thinking of my own career and where the direction i want to take it but anyways since there are uh well can i can i share one more thing to you because because yeah. i think we talked about this a little bit earlier today which was one i think one business person entrepreneur founder whatever like of other business i've read about this so much is like just it's hard to let go it's hard to hire somebody else nobody can do it as good as me and i even thought that and when you do creative work a lot of times nobody will be able to do it as good as you in certain things like, but for me, when I hired an editor and I realized within a few videos that he could actually do the technical stuff way better than me, it's not even close, it, but I could still do what I love, which is the storytelling and I can give input into that. Then I realized, oh gosh, like so much is open now. I can spend so much time other places. So it is important. It was important for me to like realize there's actually, I mean, I, we've all, I think read books and heard articles or, or, or heard uh, interviews and read articles that were like, Somebody out, there, somebody out there can do it as good as you. And most of the time, they're going to be able to do it better. If not, they can do it at 80% and free you up for the other stuff you want to do. That's just an aspect that I just don't really know about 
or it's an aspect I'm not certain about because like creativity, like we don't know where that really begins, right? For me, that could begin in editing. It could begin even, well, usually it actually begins before editing. It's like coming up with a script, coming up with a structure, coming up with questions. And it's like how much of what I'm doing if involves working my creative muscle and then is that creative muscle being worked but then there's also like arguments like if you're doing the same thing like redundant things then is that really like creative but that's also like gosh so many like topics of so many thoughts come to mind about like procrastination and distraction because if you are doing things that are redundant and that you know that you can execute but it's really just time that it's consuming then those become obstacles and hurdles that can lead to procrastination and like distraction. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, you said something about how back in college, you were like a shell of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Just from the aspect of the basketball, what advice would you have for someone who may be going through that same experience? Yeah. Advice is tough because you always, yeah, you're always thinking about it from your perspective and you don't know the context of the other person and their scenario. So it's always like a lot of times it's blanket statements. So I, I say, I preface it with that. I think I'll just talk about it right now. So I'm now playing at the pro level and finding like play a, P, play a lot of these PPA tournaments. It's really hard to win. It's just, everybody's good. Like I, I end up, you end up playing like oh, back in Denver. Um, I play my buddy Pesa in the first round. Um, and Tatiana rule, that's a tough match. And then we go play like Federico Staxford and Megan Dazan in the second round. And it's just like you, that's every tournament you're like playing these. So, um, the, one of the hard things right now for me is just like losing a lot and everybody's losing a lot. I mean, there's very, there's, you know, you could name, you know, Ben and Anna Lee win just about every tournament. Ben and Colin win just about every tournament. Um, Ben usually wins singles. Anna Lee usually wins singles. And so, you know, everybody else is losing every weekend and like people are starting to make this their full-time job on the, on the tour. So it's not unique to me. Uh, I'm just, I know I'm at, diff- we're all at different stages. I might lose a little sooner than other people. Maybe they lose in the second round, whatever. But the thing I, cause a kid asked me this last week, he's like, what would you have done differently in college? And I think one of the things that I didn't do as much of in college, and even I know it's the thing I should do now, but I'm starting to get back into it. Cause I'm realizing the importance is just strengthening your mind in a lot of ways. In college, I, for the most part, just did the physical, like I, I got the shots up basketball. I, I, I did extra running all the time. I was like so committed to it that I spent so much of my time on the physical component of it. When, when you ask somebody like how much of the game is mental, um, I don't know, like jujitsu, how much of jujitsu is a mental game? Would you say? So much. Like if you had to give a like, percentage to it, just take a wild, wild guess. I mean. Probably like 70%. Okay, so yeah. 70%. So I'll ask you, but for everybody else, it's like, okay, how much time do you think you spent on the mental side of jujitsu? And honest answer for whatever you... When I did it? When you did it. A lot of time. That's where like yeah. a lot of the books that you saw, Yeah, I went through like the self-optimization phase yeah. where I was just like constantly going through that. But I also had a coach who I was very fortunate to have in my life who made me think that way. Yeah. But not a lot of coaches offer that, right? A lot of coaches do look at it from like a physical perspective. But yeah, I don't mean to go on a tangent no, on no, the no. question. That's, but I think that's what you just shared is really unique and rare for the most yeah. part. Because even to this day, up to this point, 
I'd say, well, back in, back in college, pretty much like 2%, 0%. So we, we say it's 70% physical or whatever high percentage, you know, get various numbers we don't know for sure. Are you even spending close to an equal amount on the mental? And usually the answer is no, Yeah. Um, especially for younger people. But I'm sure even like a lot of the pros today, I'm sure like a bunch of them probably do really spend a lot of time strengthening the mental side. And then there's probably others that just rely on talent. Like that's just, that's probably most sports. Um, most people will hit a cap at some point and whatever level, right? I think that's, that's pretty much across the board. And so what have I, what advice would I give? What's what I'm currently trying to do, which is like, what I'm currently trying to do is just take some different mental approaches. So I've, I've always like loved studying film. That's a, that's, that's working on the mental side. I love, I just have fun doing that, but just putting thoughts on paper and then meditating on those thoughts at some level, just to like work the muscle of my mind more than, you know, now rather than just when i need it you know if i'm playing bad oh i gotta go do some meditation or something or i gotta go journal like no like journaling daily about um things i see myself doing well even shoot journaling on stuff that i see i think it's more of a stoicism approach like seeing myself do things poorly and how i'm gonna respond and choosing my response in advance so like those things are things that i'm working on so if i were to like look at advice for someone going through something like that it's usually the first one is like if it's sports are you actually doing the work to get better people think they're having like a confidence crisis often when they've never even like, I'm not going to become good at surgery if I've never done surgery. Like, I'm not a confident surgeon. Well, yeah, like, you've never learned anything about surgery. I'm not a confident – I don't have a confident third-shot drop. Well, okay, have you ever gone and practiced with third-shot drops? No, but I work on it in rec every day. Well, that's not working on it. That's – I mean, you kind of are, but not the same. So that's usually the first one is, like, the physical. Then the second one's the mental. And, like, film is one, I think, you know, like, journaling on just, like, what you're feeling as you're playing, journaling on the feelings, especially when you're doing something well, journaling on your response in advance to something bad. Those things are things I'm working on right now. Who's the most influential person in your life? You really look deep into my soul when you ask that question. <laughs> All I see is Chris. <laughs> uh, I heard you ask this, yeah, in your other interviews too. I really, I think, I think it's three people to, to take the third door per se. God. It's it's my mom, dad, and brother, and just for like different reasons. Um, really lucky just to grow up with like a really strong household and two parents and a brother and i think my my dad you know his influence so many ways i'll just name a couple but like one would be just work ethic in preparation his doctor when i was growing up wake up at 4 a.m like that's kind of where i got my early side from me like you wake up at 4 4 30 go to the hospital you round to the hospitals and see patients he then go to his office and work for a bunch of hours and he would still get home by you know 4 35 six or he'd get to my games in time and so i just watched work ethic my entire life so seeing that daily just put it in me to like have good work ethic and then like preparedness my dad has been a a doctor for over 30 years and i'll still be with him um when we're we're together and he's still like studying medicine stuff just like what's new you know what what are the updates what are things that i have, have come out over the last few years that i didn't know about before and it's like guy's been in 30 years like he doesn't necessarily need to do more to to know how to do his job but he he does and so i watch him do that and again it's like one of my buddies sam allen he always says character is better caught than taught all right and so like i've just caught my dad with an unbelievable work ethic for i'm 29 for my entire life and so he's hugely influential in that way and then also he would just like no matter what time of day it was no matter how much he worked he would go out and shoot with me you know, so from an influential standpoint in sports, like we would go shoot baskets no matter like, oh, I can't even think of a time where I was like, dad, do you want to go shoot? And he's like, nah, 
Like he just, he did that every time. So he's rebounded thousands of shots for me. So that's part of the reason I became a better shooter. Guidance and just care. He didn't like go coaching me hard. He just showed me some fundamentals then was just there to rebound, you know? So like quality time. And then my mom, I think my mom taught me to just care. And you know, this the story I think of is like her, both her parents, my grandfather had a stroke a few, a bunch of years ago. They ended up having to move from Indiana to Florida. And then they live within about 10 minutes from my parents. And so, um, they were living at this just like, uh, helpful. What do you call it? Like not like a retired person, like an older person's place, but like there's help. It's not, um, it's not like totally, what, what are those places even called? I can't even think about it right now. Hospice? Not hospice, but it's like they're in there. There was people helping them. They had meals and stuff. My mom still like was so involved in helping them, even though it wasn't always like the best thing to do as far as like the most fun thing to do um she would help them with medicine she'd help them take them to appointments and like it wasn't fun so like when i go visit and we like have to go out and, and take them places they're obviously they're older and they do a lot of things very slowly but just like no matter what she was there and just showed a level of care for the people who she loved most um and then you know all the way through until they both passed away i guess about two years ago within like a four-week span of each other which was kind of crazy um watching her just like was influential for me and how she approached that. And then my brother, just like, uh, uh, I'd say an inclusiveness thing. He's three years older than me. Inclusiveness and just like modeling. Like he just was like a supermodel of what it looked like to be a, uh, a good student, uh, a great athlete, just a good person, you know? And then the, and part of that was inclusiveness. Like he was the president of the band our senior year, his senior year, I was a freshman. And so I got to like watch him lead. Um, and I, I, and then he was on the varsity basketball team and he was like a 4.0 student. And so he was doing all these things. And I was just this ninth grader coming in, looking up to this guy and, and watching him. And anytime, like it was just like the old cafeteria, someone sitting alone, he brings them over. Like that's who he is, you know? And so I got to watch that. So having those three angles and obviously there's more to each of them than those couple things. But I think the, the work ethic and preparation of my dad, just the care and love you know, that I got to watch my mom do, of course with me too, but like watch with her parents was really in, in influential. And then my brother and just, you know, modeling, you know, what does it look like? He was never drinking. He wasn't smoking. I came, I, I didn't have, I didn't ever touched alcohol. I think, think till like, like after my senior year of high school, you know, and part of it was because he wasn't doing those things and I wanted to be like him. Yeah. And so modeling for me, what it was like to, to be that. So I, I look back and I'm like, who was the most influential? I think like those three were, you know, three of the most influential people in my life still are. It's awesome. Yeah. It's weird that you didn't bring up chris yeah well i actually thought about that deeply um I just, people listen gotta be annoyed how much we're talking about chris but it's it's warranted because he's he's influenced nobody <laughs> anyways um thank you chris for dealing with this um yeah man thank you for your time thank you for doing this um it was such a short notice and you're coming from a basketball camp where you're working with kids all day, day in and day out. So you're definitely exhausted. And I had to pick you up at like 8 p.m. yesterday. Mm -hmm. So now's your opportunity to plug away. You know, like not that you haven't given enough credit to uh, like the people in your life, yeah. like Chris and Lee Media and yeah. your parents. And yeah, those folks, that those cats that you live with um, that you play pickleball with. Yeah, feel free to plug away. Like where can people find out more information about you? What things are you working on? What do you, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that pickleball guy is my, my username across all the platforms. I, I do a weekly newsletter, which actually is where I share most of my, more of my inside the journey of trying to play at the highest level. I go more in depth on that, that pickleball guy.com. Um, but I mean, 
projects I'm working on right now. I'm just making one YouTube video a week and I'm kind of posting on Instagram sporadically and I'm posting on my weekly newsletter once a week and then, you know, pr- practicing getting better and like trying to, trying to, trying to live out the stuff that I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so that's really all the plug I have. I think, yeah, thanks for inviting me to this and, and, uh, doing this also on short notice, um, for you and like finding a cool space for us to film in, but I'm just, it's, it's cool watching what you're doing. I think anybody who comes into the space and tries to make it better, in my opinion, it's a rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a zero sum game. You doing well, doesn't make me do bad. I think you doing well makes me do well, vice versa and everybody else coming in. And it's such a young, I'll be interested to look back at this video in five years and, uh, see where we're at. But for now, that's been really awesome. There's enough to go around for everyone for sure. Um, cool. That's a wrap. All right, so you're just going to Venmo me the 20,000? Um. <laughs>